When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today is a very rainy day in Nashville. So if you hear thunder in the background, like you probably can right now. No, I don't hear it right now. But anyway, you're probably going to hear thunder in the background, and that's because I don't have a fancy podcast studio, so I cannot get rid of that sound. But it'll be a little ambient, you know, background noise, and maybe it'll add something to the episode. We'll see. So I'm very excited for this episode today. Let's get started with our In the News segment first, though. Big news story of the past seven days. So according to the Boston Herald, although he is polling 50 points behind President Biden, pundits are warning that RFK Jr.'s campaign should not be dismissed passively and that he is likely to win the first Democratic primary in New Hampshire, which is very interesting. And also the little line of the title in this article has to do with our episode today. It says echoes of Ted Kennedy's run against Jimmy Carter. So I thought that was an interesting parallel. Anyway, go check that out and let me know your thoughts by sending me a DM on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Next up is our recommendation segment. Of course, then we would recommend it. Because of our topic today, I will recommend the book Camelot's End, Kennedy versus Carter, and the fight that broke the Democratic Party. So I'll put a direct link to that in the description of this episode. Make sure you get it. And for our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. Here's JFK accepting the 1960 Democratic nomination, and this was delivered on July 15, 1960, which is 63 years ago this week. Take a listen. I stand here tonight, facing west, on what was once the last frontier. From the lands that stretch 3,000 miles behind us, the pioneers gave up their safety, their comfort, and sometimes their lives to build our new west. They were not the captives of their own doubts, nor the prisoners of their own price tags. They were determined to make the new world strong and free, an example to the world to overcome its hazards and its hardships, to conquer the enemies that threatened from within and out. Some would say that those struggles are all over, that all the horizons have been explored, that all the battles have been won, that there is no longer an American frontier. But I trust that no one in this would agree with that sentiment. For the problems are not all solved, and the battles are not all won. And we stand today on the edge of a new frontier, the frontier of the 1960s, the frontier of unknown opportunities and perils, the frontier of unfilled hopes and unfilled threats. Woodrow Wilson's new freedom promised our nation a new political and economic framework. Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal promised security and succor to those in need. But the new frontier of which I speak is not a set of promises. 
It is a set of challenges. It sums up not what I intend to offer to the American people, but what I intend to ask of them. It appeals to their pride. It appeals to our pride, not our security. It holds out the promise of more sacrifice instead of more security. The new frontier is here, whether we seek it or not. Beyond that frontier are uncharted areas of science and space, unsolved problems of peace and war, unconquered province of ignorance and prejudice, unanswered questions of poverty and surplus. It would be easier to shrink from that new frontier, to look to the safe mediocrity of the past, to be loved by good intentions and high rhetoric, and those who prefer that course should not vote for me or the Democratic Party. But I believe that the times require imagination and courage and perseverance. I'm asking each of you to be pioneers towards that new frontier. My call is to the young in heart, regardless of age, to the stout in spirit, regardless of party, to all who respond to the scriptural call, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For courage, not complacency, is our need today. Leadership, not salesmanship. And the only valid test of leadership is the ability to lead and lead vigorously. Okay, let's get to our episode. So I have done an episode before on Ted Kennedy's life and career, but we have never done a deep dive into the 1980 election. And it's actually pretty fascinating. And Anya worked with me on this and put together a really awesome episode. So I'm excited to bring it to you guys. Lots of sources. Here they are. We have ABC News, Washington Post, History, CBS News, Rolling Stone, Britannica, New York Times, Miller Center, American Progress, Common Reader, NBC News, and Untapped Cities. So let's get started. In a 17-minute speech at Faneuil Hall in Boston in November of 1979, Ted Kennedy, senator for Massachusetts, announced that he would challenge President Jimmy Carter for the Democratic Party's nomination for the presidency, and this was ahead of the 1980 election. Family members there included Rose, Jackie, Ethel, and Joan Kennedy, as well as Patricia Kennedy Lawford and Unison Sergeant Schreiber, so they were all present there at the announcement. Now, there had been rumors in 1976 that Kennedy would run for the nomination, though he promised his mother Rose, who said, I told him I did not want to see him die. We've had too many tragedies already. He told her that he would not run. And his family was also dealing with his son's cancer battle at the time, which I talk all about this kind of stuff in that life and career episode. So go check that out if you'd like to. But anyway, Ted Kennedy took a gamble in challenging Jimmy Carter for the Democratic nomination. Never in American history had an incumbent president failed to secure the nomination of their party. However, Carter had plummeted in the polls since 1978, reaching a low of 19%. So there was a potential for history to be made. Kennedy attacked Carter's record from the left, criticizing the president for failing to sufficiently address foreign policy issues, high inflation, high interest rates, and record unemployment. 
And he promised that his presidency, by contrast, would be a forceful and effective one. And he promised to get the United States on the march again. For example, by implementing wage and price controls, addressing unemployment, and unveiling a $12 billion stimulus spending program, which this was actually eventually adopted by Carter. Now, Carter was considered to be the conservative candidate for the nomination, and Kennedy was called for the Democratic Party to embrace a more liberal platform, which emphasized universal health care, abortion rights, and opposition to nuclear power. Now, neither Kennedy nor Carter was overwhelmingly successful in securing the African-American vote, which was won by Kennedy in northern states and by Carter in southern states. During the campaign, Kennedy urged Carter to participate in a debate, offering to subsequently withdraw from the race if Carter won the most votes in the June 3rd primaries. However, Carter rejected Kennedy's proposal, claiming that there was no demand for a debate and that he was focused on debating his Republican opponent. But this was damaging to Ted's campaign efforts, given that he was already placing a distant second to Carter. Strong performance in a debate could have boosted his chances of success. Now, Kennedy did not just spend his time attacking Carter, though. He was scathing about Ronald Reagan's proposed policies and the threats which they posed to labor unions, senior citizens, and the environment, for example. Had he secured the Democratic nomination, Ted Kennedy's journey to the presidency would not have been an easy one. Although he had the Kennedy name behind him, his own reputation had been tarnished to an extent by the Chappaquiddick scandal, which had already marred his chances of standing to be the Democratic nominee in 1972. And I have an episode all about Chappaquiddick as well. Now, that was an early one, but it's got all the info, so go check it out. In addition, he would have faced a popular opponent who went on to win 489 Electoral College votes, Republican candidate Ronald Reagan. However, Kennedy's chances of securing the nomination in the first place were all but obliterated when, in an interview with Roger Mudd of CBS, he failed to answer the question, why do you want to be president? Aside from this, he is said to have come across as unengaged, defensive, and inarticulate during the interview, which this interview formed part of a one-hour TV special entitled Teddy. In his autobiography, though, Kennedy defended his performance by stating that the interview was a setup and an ambush. So I'm going to insert a clip of it here. You judge for yourself. I think it's pretty cringy. Why do you want to be president? Well, I'm... Uh, were I to, to make the, uh, the announcement and uh, to run, the reasons that I would run is because I have a great belief in this country that it is as more natural resources than any nation of the world, as the greatest educated population in the world, the greatest technology of any country in the world, uh, the greatest capacity for innovation in the world, and the greatest political system in the world. And yet uh, I see at uh, the current time that uh, most of the industrial nations of the world are exceeding us in terms of productivity or doing better than us in terms of meeting the problems of inflation that they're dealing with their problems of energy and their problems of unemployment and it just seems to me that uh, this nation can cope and deal with its problems in a way that it has in the past we're facing complex issues and problems in this nation at this time but we have faced similar challenges at other times and the energies and the resourcefulness of this nation i think should be focused on these problems in a way that uh, brings a sense of uh, restoration uh, 
in this country by its people to, in dealing with the problems that we face, primarily the issues on the economy, the problems of inflation, and the problems of um, uh, energy. And uh, I would uh, basically uh, feel that, uh, that it's imperative for this country to either move forward, that it can't stand still, or otherwise it moves backward. What would you do different from Carter? Well, in which particular areas? Well, just take the, the question of, uh, of leadership. Well, it's uh, on, 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 you know, you have to come to grips with uh, the, the different issues. Now, Ted won 10 primaries, including in key states such as New York and California, but Jimmy Carter won out overall. Despite this, though, after the primaries had ended, Kennedy asserted that he was still a candidate and that he would continue to campaign. Ted Kennedy officially withdrew his bid for the nomination during the Democratic National Convention at Madison Square Garden in August of 1980. Carter held 64% of the delegate votes compared to the 34% which were held by Ted, and it was clear that he would win the nomination. There was clear support for Kennedy on the floor of the convention, though, and cries of, we want Ted, could be heard throughout the hall. Before withdrawing from the race, Kennedy had unsuccessfully attempted to effect a change to the faithful delegate rule, which held that delegates who had pledged could not change their mind about who they wanted to support. Now, this would likely have boosted support for his candidacy among delegates. Well, I'm deeply gratified by the support I received on the rules fight tonight, but not quite as gratified as President Carter. Uh. President Carter's forces have won an impressive victory this evening. And I'm a realist and I know what this result means. I have called President Carter and congratulated him. The efforts on the nomination is over. My name will not be placed in nomination. But the efforts, but the efforts for democratic principles must and will continue. I continue to care. I continue. I continue to care deeply about the ideals of the Democratic Party. I continue to care deeply about where this party stands. And I hope the delegates will stand with me for a truly democratic platform. Tomorrow I will speak. Tomorrow, tomorrow I will speak to the convention about the economic concerns that have been the heart of my campaign and about the commitments in the future of the Democratic Party. I will speak again for the people I have seen and the cause I have carried across this country. Thank you. After withdrawing his candidacy, Kennedy delivered what would become his most famous remarks, a 32-minute speech entitled, The Dream Shall Never Die. And the end of the speech was marked by applause and cheers, which lasted for half an hour. I am, I am confident that the Democratic Party will reunite on the basis of democratic principles and that together we will march towards a democratic victory in 1980. And someday, 
long after this convention, long after the signs come down and the crowd stop cheering and the band stop playing, may it be said of our campaign that we kept the faith. May it be said of our party in 1980 that we found our faith again. And may it be said of us both in dark passages and in bright days, in the words of Tennyson that my brothers quoted and loved, and that have special meaning for me now. I am a part of all that I have met. Too much is taken, much abides. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. For me, a few hours ago, this campaign came to an end. For all those whose cares have been our concern, the work goes on, the cause endures, the hope still lives, and the dream shall never die. Following his concession, Kennedy shook Carter's hand on stage. However, the exchange was shrouded in controversy because Kennedy did not raise Carter's hand for a photo opportunity. Instead, he raised his own fist in front of the crowd. Many agree that the challenge which Kennedy posed to Carter's candidacy proved to be detrimental to his chances of success during the 1980 election against Ronald Reagan. Kennedy's campaign had highlighted Carter's failures and honestly divided the Democratic Party, thus paving the way for Ronald Reagan, who represented a united party which had not held the presidency for four years, to emerge as victorious. Though he never put himself forward for the presidency again, 1980 most certainly did not signal the end of Ted Kennedy's political career. He continued to serve as senator of Massachusetts until his death in 2009 and, as we've discussed before, earned the honorary title of Lion of the Senate for his work and contributions. So that's all I've got. I thought this was fascinating. Just a little deeper of a dive into this part of Ted's life. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please rate the podcast five stars and write a positive written review on Apple Podcasts. Those help me so very much. Also, you are definitely going to want to follow along. Well, I think you will um, on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty in the next week because I'm going to be headed to DC for a big agent number nine filming week and it's going to be super fun and a lot of cool stuff. So I think you might want to check it out. Make sure you're following me there so you can follow the journey. We've got another interesting episode lined up for you next time. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss when the next episode is available. I appreciate your listening and your support, and I will talk to you soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy, keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Vote for Kennedy. Around 10,000 BCE, families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of Britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from Europe. The Welsh built houses, communities, kingdoms, and continued to survive through Romans, Saxons, Danes, and Normans. The language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive, becoming ancient and modern at the same time. Join me as we travel through the history, meeting the kings, queens, nobles, and everyday people that create and grew modern Wales from the seeds of the ancient past. Creoso, and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast.